I'm Dave Cornoyer. And I'm Ryan Hasman. And you're listening to the Dave Berta Podcast. We're recording this episode on Friday, January 12th, 2018. In this episode, we're going to talk about our predictions. We're going to share some of our predictions for Alberta politics in 2018. We are going to talk about the Alberta party leadership race. <sighs> Here we I, go again. I know, I know we, we, we promised we'd slide in the, in the last episode we'd, we'd talk less about it, but stuff has, start, stuff has started to happen. So now we'll talk. It's a race. Sorry. Yeah, it's, it's actually a race. So there's more for us to talk about. Uh, we will talk about the upcoming United Conservative Party annual general meeting scheduled for May 4th to 6th and some of the uh, some of the ideas in the policy document that was released this week or, or draft policy document for ideas or strategic plan for the future of Alberta. And after we talk about the UCP AGM, we will dive into our reach into our mailbag uh, and uh, and talk about some of the uh, and address some of the the questions and uh, and comments that you guys shared with us over the past few weeks, but first, before we get to any of that, let's uh, let's kick it uh, kick things off with a bit of hot gossip from uh, from Alberta politics. Ryan, do you want to start us off? Sure. Yeah, it's early in the year, but things are starting to move. Um, I've heard a couple things. So one is that uh, apparently uh, Rachel Notley's office has finally hired a director of policy. So he's been around for a while. He's not a stranger to those who are involved. Um, he's from the Parkland Institute, Jason Foster, and he has been out meeting departments and beginning to speak with people. So my understanding, and of course I wasn't exactly privy to this, but is he played a central role with writing the platform for the NDP last election. And I don't know why it's taken them this long to actually fill that position, but um, given that he wrote last platform, perhaps he'll have a role in writing the next one. Well, I, I, I wouldn't doubt that. Jason, Jason Foster is a very smart guy, uh, longtime New Democrat. Um, I believe he was also inst- an instructor at uh, Athabasca University in their labor, labor, um, labor studies, labor history department. I think he calls it labor, helping labor take back the world or something like or, that. Or overcome. Right, right-wingers call it uh, University Conspiracy 101, right? Um, uh, and, and Jason is also the, I believe he's also the beer expert. If you listen yes. to the CBC, he's, mm-hmm. uh, he knows about everything about craft beer, about beer. He would probably tell us the beer we're drinking today. He'd probably tell us a lot about it. I feel like he'd be disappointed in us. Maybe Al- we should Al- take a photo for Al- him. Alberta but. Genuine Draft. It's big, it's big rock though. So it is Albertan, but I it's, it's not really a craft brew. I feel like this beer is maybe more a representation of my influence on this podcast than what, uh, Jason would have us drink well i'll bring the joe cc craft brew to our next uh to our next podcast recording um i guess the second thing is just on fundraising that as we begin to gear up for the campaign the parties are of course beginning to fill their war chest and december 31st in any fundraising type of environment is always a big deadline because people can do year-end contributions um on our side on the united conservative side when jason kenny won uh, a lot of us were just completely tired of getting fundraising calls because the federal party had just done a leadership. Each provincial party had merged, and then we had a runoff leadership. So there have been a lot of campaigns and a lot of phone calls. So Jason made a promise there's going to be a moratorium on fundraising, and so the party stopped the calls and didn't do a mail-out or any sort of last ask. And I'm told by a source that the NDP did a call, and they raised over $91,000 on December 31st alone. So 
uh, I guess I'm speaking to my side that we need to remember that the other side is raising money as well. And, uh, time is ticking. Okay. And on the, on the, uh, on a similar topic, getting ready for the next provincial election, which is scheduled to happen in early or spring 2019, um, I've been tracking nominations, party nominations, and there are candidates stepping up from, I think, all parties now, or yep. most of the parties now have candidates stepping up. Um, from the from the NDP, uh, a handful of incumbents have have have, uh, have in, in indicated to me that uh, that they will be seeking re-election. Stephanie McLean in Calgary Varsity, Brian Malkinson in Calgary Curry, uh, Marlon Schmidt in Edmonton Gold Bar uh, are are just a few on the UCP side. Um, Angela Pitt in, in the new Airdrie East riding. She contacted you. Uh, her name's shown up on the. I think her name showed up on the. Uh, on the Elections Alberta list. Mm. Um, uh, also showing up on the Elections Alberta list was Leela here, running in uh, Chestermere Strathmore. My pick for politician to watch in 2018. That's right. So we're, she's she's going to be sticking around. So that might or may not tell you something about the nomination in Chestermere Strathmore. That uh, that 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 uh, independent MLA Derek Filderbrandt might not be running, or uh, or he might not be welcome to run for the uh, UCP UCP nomination in the new riding. Well, I guess we'll see. Uh, the party has said there won't be any nominations until after the AGM, so there's still four or five months to go. Okay. Uh, also, one one name that popped up that's interesting on the UCP side, uh, Megan Brown, the executive director of Common Sense Calgary, uh, which is like, a, I think they're a Manning Center funded or Manning Center founded, at least, uh, kind of conservative advocacy group on the municipal level in Calgary. Yeah. Uh, she's registered to, or in, registered in her interest to run uh, in Calgary Buffalo, which is like, oh. which is the down like the downtown Calgary riding, currently represented by Justice Minister Kathleen Ganley. Right. Um, it's not really a conservative, traditionally conservative riding. Um, I think out of all the Calgary ridings, it, like, and I think I was looking at it, in the past ten elections, like eight of the past ten elections, it's a ele- they've elected mostly liberals and once a new Democrat, and a couple times they've elected Tories. So it's a pretty, it's a pretty um, out of most Calgary ridings, it's it's. Not your typical Calgary writing, but you know. Well, great. Uh, I'm glad to hear it. I hope more women step forward for UCP nominations. It'd be nice to have more women in politics just in general. Just like it'd be nice to have more women at this podcast. Yes, it would. And uh, we're working on it. We are. No, I don't have any more rumors, but before we get started, I wanted to uh, just make a comment, uh, a recognition of an important anniversary this uh, this past week. Um, for those of you who might have, might be have been around in Alberta politics for a while or might be a longtime reader of my blog, DaveBerta.ca. Um, Ten years ago this week on January, I think it was January 8th, 20, 2000, January 8th, 2008, um, the whole brouhaha around the edstelmac.ca website started and my ownership over the edstelmac.ca domain name started. The, the domain name that I purchased for $14 that turned into a giant uh, a giant uh, brouhaha in the beginning of, for the first couple of weeks of January, t- 2008 and, uh, uh, helped, um, quadruple my blog's readership at the same time. I, I was just going to producer Adam here. Uh, I have a question about this because I feel like that was probably the tipping point for you in a lot of ways. Like, I know you've always observed politics, but like, like, two, like, like it's only been downhill from there. Or? Well, yeah, kind of, but two, two things. One that, that like, you were like, okay, I'm, I'm going all in on DaveBerta.ca, and two, uh, that you basically 
alerted every political party on earth that they need to secure their domain names in in rapid fashion yes i think i think that was that was probably the beginning i think it might have been the first big um politician or someone else bought a politician's name as their domain name now just for people who, who who might not be familiar with it um Earlier the previous year, like I think like April 2007, I bought the domain name. I just, I was looking for Ed Stelmack's website and I typed in, Ed Stelmack was premier at the time, and I, I typed in edstelmack.ca and it turns out that no one owned it. So I went on to whatever domain buying website I went on to and uh, bought it for $14 and just sat on it for a while. At first I had it just redirected to my blog. Um and didn't really kind of told some friends and was kind of a funny inside joke. And then I redirected it to the bio uh, Wikipedia biography of uh, Harry Strom, who was the last social credit premier who a lot of people were comparing Ed Stelmack to. And then about a couple weeks after that, I received like this letter from a lawyer representing the premier, Tyler Shandro, um, uh, accusing me of, I think, misappropriating the premier's personality um, and, and, uh, and requested that I, you know, that I govern myself accordingly in terms of handing back the, uh, <laughs> handing back the domain name. Um, I didn't. I, I stood my ground, as any good Albertan would do, when, when faced with, uh, with challenges from, from um, overreaching government. The state. Um, the state. state. Uh, and it turns out that, you know, the little guy won. <laughs> um, and to quote Obi-Wan Kenobi, you became more powerful than we could have possibly imagined. Wow, that's I've 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 never been 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 been, uh, been given that honor of of uh, people using that oh. using using a phrase like uh, a quote like that for me. Of all the things you've ever purchased in your life, do you think that is the fourteen dollars best spent ever? Uh, the. Uh, the engagement ring I bought I bought for my wife was definitely the the best purchase I've ever. Good made. answer, nice Dave. work. So anyway, I just wanted to to, to point out that it's been, it's been 10 years. So. Yes. So. And now the famous uh, quote at the end of the letter was advising you to govern yourself accordingly. Correct. So would you say that you have done so? Uh, I think I have, I have uh, governed myself um, how I believe to be appropriately. And there's actually a tie into today or today's politics because one of, at the same time, another prominent politician's name got redirected, uh, the domain name, by Rick Mercer. I recall Mr. Rick Mercer redirected www.jasonkenny.org to take viewers directly to the Communist Party of Canada's website. Hilarity ensued. It's it's just you, it's just too funny. And now not only do you have to secure <laughs> domain names but uh social media accounts. Verified. Yeah. yeah Are you verified, Dave? Like do I have like a little blue check On mark? Twitter. No, yeah. I don't. I think you have to apply to be verified. What does it take if you're I think not verified? You have verified. to fill out a form. You have to apply. Yeah, there no, goes just, my dreams of ever getting verified. I don't know. You you ran for the Conservative Party twice. You're more legit than I am. Yeah. You, you, your name has actually been on a ballot twice. You know, I think we've actually brought up that run in every episode, <laughs> yes. and I'm going to make sure it gets brought up <laughs> in every episode subsequent. It's uh, I've written my my byline of my obituary already. So no, uh, don't put that in. Uh, <laughs> I think that I'm going to launch a petition to have Dave's Twitter profile get verified. That would be a good goal. That might be hard. Twitter disabled verification because a bunch of racists were getting verified last year. <laughs> I don't think I want to be verified if that's the group I'm with. <laughs> so for our next segment, uh, we're going to touch on predictions for 2018. What does the forecast say? So Dave, why don't you lead us off? Okay, my predictions for 2018. I have two two interesting ones that at the top of my list. First of all, I think... Richard Starkey is going to join the Alberta Party. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he joined the Alberta Party uh, before this, the spring session of the Alberta Legislature. Uh, 
second prediction has to do with trade wars. I expect that it will be a good year for the NDP looking east and a bad year for the NDP in Alberta looking west. I think that Saskatchewan, once Brad Wall retires at the end of January, I believe this year, um, and the new premier of Saskatchewan moves in, I think the uh, the the weird license plate craft brewing trade war will probably die down, um, and uh, and parades will be had for Darren Billis in the down the streets of Edmonton. There'll be t- ticker tape parades. He'll he'll return triumphant. Uh, <laughs> do they make orange ticker tape? Yes, they do. Yes, in a union shop. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but looking west, I think it will be. I think uh, uh, John Horgan and Andrew Weaver in their uh, in their uncompromising bid to to block the Kinder Morgan Trans Mountain Pipeline will be totally successful because they don't want it. And I think uh, a huge chunk of British Columbians just don't want the pipeline built, even though it's twinning a pipeline that's already existing and the oil's going to get shipped anyway through rail or through through trucks. Um, I just think it's such a hot political issue in British Columbia. It's uh, it's not going to be great for the NDP in Alberta. Um, but I just think that's the, uh, that's the political reality we're in now. Next, we're going to be talking about something that we promised we'd talk less about on the last episode of our podcast. That is the Alberta Party leadership race. Yay. It is the Alberta leader. And we actually have an Alberta Party leadership race. That's the difference. Yeah. So when we, when we left off on our last episode of 2017, uh, Kara Levis had just entered, uh, uh, entered the leadership race. She's a, a lawyer, Calgary energy lawyer uh, and um, federal liberal party official. Uh, and then there was a, a joke candidate. By the name of, uh, or a jokester, as I've been calling him, as I've been calling him, by the name of uh, Jacob Huffman, um, they were the only two people in the race. But this past week, we had two other candidates um, who actually have a little bit of name recognition. One of them who has a huge name recognition, especially in Edmonton, and another one who may not be the most high-profile MLA in the legislature, but he's actually an MLA in the legislature. Yeah, so they immediately would have one seat, which is true. And has he actually said if he'll stick with the caucus either way? I'd imagine he, he has. Yeah, he, did yeah. he join their caucus? Yeah, we're talking about Stephen Mandel, Mayor of Edmonton, and Rick Fraser, the former UC, former PC, former UCP MLA for Calgary Southeast. He has joined the Alberta Party Caucus. Yeah, they sent out a press release last week or earlier this week saying that they were welcoming into their caucus. So now the, the, the Alberta Party has three MLAs in the legislature, which is up from one. Did they receive official party status and the funding that comes with it? Well, they tech- I think they technically receive, receive official party status when they have four MLAs. I think that's the, but, but I, there's like exceptions that get made for like your lineup and like, I think because people like them. So like here's they, a question. There's exceptions that get made for like your line, where you, where you, where you end up in, in question period and like, because the party house leaders try to work together. But I think in terms of full funding, I don't think they get full funding until they get so four it, MLAs. So it'd be interesting, and I honestly don't know the answer. When the NDP caucus was down to two, one of them was Rachel Notley. Did they call for party standing at that time, and did they receive it? I think from what I remember, going back to the two, or 1997, after the 1997 election, because in the 93 election, the NDP were wiped out, and they were the official opposition before that. And then in 97, they came back and they had two MLAs, Pam Barrett, Barrett and Raj Panu. Raj Panu, of course. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and I think that they were granted, I believe they were granted official party status or like at least in terms of the lineup in question period. I don't know if they got the, like the, the total funding they would have. Klein had a soft spot for Pam Barrett. And yeah. I think strategically he realized the value of having them in the house. Yeah. A, well, you know, splitting the vote with the liberals, having two opposition parties from, from it basically that were based in Edmonton at the time. Yeah. Um, like I think there was definitely some kind of strategic 
strategic value for the, for the Tories. And yeah, I think that, you know, there was a kind of a, of a more friendly relationship between, uh, so you mentioned Stephen Mandel and I feel like I need to get this quote out of the way before someone else says it. The famous scene, some of our audience may be familiar with. He is inconveniently spry. Use that. What? Spry. It's a word that's only used to describe old people. You ever hear of anyone under the age of 70 who's ever been called spry? Says old guy versus young guy without mentioning age. That's the immediate scene that I thought of when I saw the Mandel press conference. They're trying to position a 70-year-old as the newest, freshest voice in politics, turning things upside down, reintroducing it. And maybe it'll work. I mean, my, my political predictions are not all often correct, but I just don't know how he taps into this youth movement when he's been around the scene for 20 years. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't really get the impression that Stephen Mandel is the the Bernie Sanders of our time in Alberta politics. Um, feel the feel, burn. Feel the burn. No, no. Uh, well, and does anyone really think that should he be successful as leader and he elects himself a caucus of seven or eight MLAs, that he has any interest in sitting as the third party leader for a four year session of the legislature? Like, does anyone think that? You know, I. I well, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not going to count him out. That's the thing. Is you know. I mean, it, it is weird. I think that, you know, a former, former mayor, former progressive conservative cabinet minister uh, is running for the leadership of this party with three MLAs. I do think it's kind of, it's odd. Yeah. Um, but I'm not going to count him out. I mean, he's a, basically, even, even though he's been, been uh, out of the mayor's office for what now? Four years? I mean, he's still a household, basically a household name in Edmonton. He has huge name recognition. And, you know, he has yeah. networks. He has people who will, you know, he, I don't think he, he would have a problem doing things like recruiting candidates. I guess the yeah. challenge will be is actually building a party, which takes a lot of groundwork. And I'm not sure. I don't really know if, 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 uh, if, uh, if that's his strong point. Well, does he have the patience to be going to church basements and community le- leagues and grinding it out for the next one or two years? Well, I mean, for someone who's who's famously picky about his food, I'm not sure he really, you know, I'm not sure if he he he'd really interested in in uh, in hitting up the rubber chicken circuit over the next two over the next year and a half, next two years. Campaign it's, launches are one thing, and campaigns are another, and governing is another. But grinding out the work required to build a party is an entirely different thing, and. I mean, I'm not saying he couldn't do it. He's built a successful business and political career. It'll just be interesting. And the question that I have, and maybe we're not equipped to answer, is how does this play in Calgary or rural or small cities? Yeah. I mean, he's known here. I'm not sure. Is it a positive, is it a negative, or maybe it's a blank slate? But if you're running against him in Calgary, like, what does he do to the calculus in Calgary? Well, especially because the party now has three MLAs in Calgary and, and no MLAs in Edmonton. So it'll be interesting to see whether, whether, whether he's actually able to, to generate some interest, some, you know, some, the interest that the Alberta party needs to really boost them in the next election. I think, I mean, simply because of his name recognition and the kind of heft he brings uh, to this race, I'd be really surprised. Like, I'd actually be kind of shocked if he lost. Yeah. Like, I think it'd actually be kind of embarrassing for the party if, if Mandel... Yeah. And, you know, I, I understand. I'm, I'm told that Rick Fraser is a nice guy. I don't know a whole lot about him. I think he was an EMT before mm-hmm. this. Paramedic, I think. Yeah. Okay. So so I think the, uh, the Alberta Party leadership race, February 27th, I think, is the date of their, uh, their, uh, their leadership vote. So we'll know which one of those candidates. I know they'll be having a number of, uh, of candidate forums and different events. So maybe I'll pop into one when, uh, when they come through Edmonton. And now to the other conservative party, the United Conservative Party, uh, which is holding its annual general meeting on May 4th, 5th, and 6th in Red Deer. 
this week a policy document a draft discussion policy discussion document was sent out to the party membership and not surprisingly it was reported on the media i think that was probably expected by the ucp that it would be leaked out and that people would talk about it an open grassroots party dave yes how we do things yes sure um this will be the founding convention, so or founding AGM. So, uh, so the party will be they will be discussing policy. Um, our audience is live texting you while we're doing our show. Yes, yes. What, what's that, Jason Kenny? Yeah. No, Tyler uh, Sandro telling you yeah. to govern yourself. <laughs> yeah, govern yourself accordingly. Um, so the, uh, I, I mean, I guess in terms of uh, of of uh, of what the policy document included, I mean, I'm sure Ryan and I might have some different opinions on. Uh, on where it uh, on the direction it's going well I, I for one would prefer to keep more of my money i think taxes are too high and i think that you know it's the same issue we've been discussing since i've been a legal adult but private delivery in the healthcare system to me seems like something we should at least be able to discuss the system right now is only going to get more backed up more overwhelmed the boomers are coming for all of us and we need to think about ways to maybe do a better job on delivery I think it's a sacred cow. No one's talking about multiple payers, but why is it that we're back to the point where even just floating private delivery has you accused of things? This is why we used to keep our agenda secret, hidden, because people just get mean. So but you're just you're just not afraid of, of, of people finding out your hidden agenda now. Well, you see, you see, this this document was just so full of like regurgitated Klein era 1990s policies. I mean, the flat tax. Come on, even Jim Prentice wanted to get rid of that. Uh, you know, the uh, uh, more privatization of healthcare, more privatization of the school system. Senate reform was in that. When has Senate reform been like? When last? When was the last time Senate reform no. was an issue in Alberta politics? Like, like that. That that's not even the law in Alberta. Not even legislation in Alberta anymore. We don't even have Senate it's, elections anymore. It's kind of like a big juicy cheeseburger. You know that it's wrong, and your doctors told you you probably can't eat it. But sometimes you just want comfort food. And Senate reform for our base is why a lot of people got into this thing. Same with recall, though I actually honestly don't know if recall was in there. I don't, I don't think recall, but Senate, Senate elections were. And the, the thing about the cheeseburgers is like, like people ate a lot of cheeseburgers in the 90s when these were like policies, and now they have cholesterol problems. So that's why, that's what Rachel Notley's did. She's helping clean up the cholesterol <laughs> problems. You know, vegan dinners See, and, and, uh, and, and healthy food, not eating meat for a month. Um, you know, that's, that's the kind of thing so, that's... Uh, some of the NDP's criticism that they've received in the last few months is that they made a couple of large moves that were nowhere in their platform. And one of the things that conservative parties are accused of is having a hidden agenda. I'm hesitant to bring up the whole carbon tax wasn't in the platform thing, but it, it really it wasn't. And so they made huge policy decisions that were not mentioned in their platform. So you can't also criticize the United Conservative Party for having an open discussion about policy. It is risky to put these things out. I would note that Patrick Brown in Ontario actually released the Ontario PC platform like six months before the election. And so the idea, I think, is you take some hits now, but you also, people realize that you're not doing anything sneaky. We're going to err on the side of being open with our policy discussion and having these conversations out loud. I'm sure you could register as an observer at the AGM, Dave, and be there at the back of the room. Maybe I will. Live blogging for on our behalf. And you know what? Each of us gets a vote. It's the second largest party membership in Canada, so there'll be a lot of us down there. And I have opinions, but if I can't organize and sway 
my influence with people, then I don't get to decide what policy is. This is this is the stuff that gets us going. We we should do a live podcast from from the UCP convention. Like I mean, obviously we're recording this live and it's going to be, you know, aired late, aired when we put it online. But we should we should do one from from the UCP convention. Can I have so little influence, and I don't know if getting you in the door is within the realm of what I can do. Well, I can sit in the parking lot, and we can do we can do a. Uh, we we can do live podcasts. I, I just want to touch on, on on the carbon tax thing because this is the thing that takes me off the the accusing the NDP of 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 lying by not having the carbon tax in their platform. They didn't lie. They said they were going to do something about the environment. They didn't say what they were going to do, but they were also at like fifteen percent in the polls when the election started. Oh, the UC the UCP are leading in the polls now. The UCP are probably going to be the government in twenty nineteen. Hold on, sorry. No one thought that when the NDP released their policy can document. Can you say before that again, election. but slower? Say it again, Laura. I want to hear it again. Who's, what's probably going to happen? We'll see. There are a lot of factors. A lot of things can happen between in the next uh, in the next twelve months. No, no. I mean, the, but the UCP has been leading in the polls for the past, sure. like forever. Since I've the last said election, it on basically. I've said it on our well, show since before. Since they were created last summer. I think that uh, all things being equal, a uh, generic conservative party in Alberta probably beats a generic Labour party. But there certainly are many ways that we could screw that up. And so, um, AGM and Red Deer is. The beginning of that and after that shortly after even that month will be nominations and so yeah things are really going to get rolling and we'll have more on uh, on the developing uh redeveloping 1990s policies of the united conservative party in future podcasts so now my favorite part of the show or one of my favorite parts is the mailbag we love hearing from our audience we really would love to have you all participate in the show one of the best ways to do it in addition to providing us a review on iTunes or whatever software you use is to submit questions. So Dave, do you want to lead us off with the first question, please? Sure. Uh, thanks, Ryan. So the first question comes from Mike Waterhouse at Mike, Mike Edmonton on, uh, on Twitter. Uh, and his question is, maybe you can talk about some of the new electoral boundaries. Looks like Edmonton gets two more seats and Mill Creek is Meadows now. Big changes. So what Mike Waterhouse is talking about, and I've, I've, I'm a total electoral, electoral boundary nerd, so I think I mentioned this in every podcast we've you done. Do. Yeah. Uh, they're I think redrawing. I make fun of it every time, too. Yeah. So they're redrawing the map for the 2019 election. They've re- they have redrawn the map. It is passed the legislature. It is law in 2019 when the writ is dropped and the election is called. These new boundaries will officially be in place. Uh, and there are some big changes. Uh, one of the, the changes that Mike mentioned in his tweet was... Uh, Edmonton Mill Creek is now Edmonton Meadows. They redid the they they redrew the well they drew redrew the whole electoral map. But in, in Mill Woods and well, in Edmonton and in Mill Woods they made some changes. So uh, the Edmonton old Edmonton gold or the current Edmonton gold bar riding is like staying the way it is and then like taking it in a huge chunk south. So the the part of Mill Woods that was Edmonton Mill Creek I don't think the actual physical like Mill Creek like with the water is actually in that new in that riding anymore so they renamed they originally in the interim report they renamed it Edmonton Mill Woods East and Edmonton Mill Woods West which is super confusing especially for anyone who lives in Edmonton because I don't think anybody refers to Mill Woods as East and West um, so this is what happens when you have a bunch of Calgarians drawing a map of Edmonton uh, so they renamed in the final report. Edmonton Mill Woods, which is basically the current Edmonton Mill, most of the current Edmonton Mill Woods, and then they renamed Edmonton Mill Woods East as Edmonton Meadows, which I think the Meadows is one of the communities in that. Someday I'd like to get your take on the great tragedy in the early 80s when they didn't amalgamate Edmonton and how a Calgary-driven cabinet decided to keep Edmonton small. Um, I guess it was put to cabinet to create 
essentially a similar model to Calgary where St. Albert and Sherwood Park and all the smaller towns would actually be part of the city. Instead, we have this Franken city of how many municipalities are there? 22? Oh, 22. They should have amal- they should, they, they should amalgamate. I think they should do 24. that. 24. 24, yeah. Anything over 20 is just silly. Dear St. Albert, your taxes will go down if you become part of Edmonton, and you'll probably get an LRT. The uh, The next question is Keith JS on Twitter uh, asks or tweeted at us, perhaps the spats that erupted between politicians and academics. Uh, UCP MLA tangled with Andrew Leach. Michelle Rempel ref- referenced that and also called out Trevor Tome in a Facebook video. Uh, I recall that in 2015, the NDP attacking Jack Mintz for political gains seems like the tables have turned. Well, it's interesting. Political parties have always sought the credibility of academics and other experts. So Jack Mintz is one of these on our side who often is asked to sign off on platforms or on policies to provide some credibility. Some of the current, the difference though with Jack and some of the other ones you mentioned is that he really stays out of the fray. Um, Some of the other guys, Trevor and Andrew, I mean, if you watch them on Twitter, they're as active as anybody else. So it's a new dynamic. I'm not sure where it leads or how it ends because I think there is a line between being an actor and an observer. Um, Andrew's a friend of mine, and I've told him before that I think sometimes he gets too in the fight. Having said that, I understand how hard it is to stay out of it. So it's an interesting dynamic. I'm not sure really what I think of it, but I think it's something we should all keep our eye on. Yeah, I think it speaks to the tone of uh, political debate on Twitter uh, which is really where, our, and on social media, which is really where these de- specific debates that uh, that Keith JS is is referring to. Um, I mean, anybody who follows the AB Ledge hashtag will know that it's a, you know, nine times out of ten, it's a fairly negative environment. It's not really a great place to have political discussions, and and and, and uh, I mean, there's a lot of unhinged partisans on all sides of the political spectrum uh, who just like to uh, to lock horns, and and I mean, I don't really think it's the most it, the most productive use of use of, of people's time. No, we've talked about it offline too. What's interesting to me too is the complete consensus about this. So everyone on there is convinced that AB Ledge is a cesspool, but they're all talking about each other. It's like, how can you all agree that there's a problem because you're actually, ref- you, you all think the other people are the problem, but that's a big circle. Anyway, I guess you and I, Dave and Adam and others are trying to make it better. I guess that's what hopefully this podcast is about. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I'm sure this won't be the last time we uh, we talk about that. So thanks, uh, Keith JS, for your for your question. Next, climate change policy. This is from David Swillbucket Stick on, on Twitter. <laughs> How about climate change policy? Just two. This is a two. This is a two question one. Uh, does the NDP leadership plan? do enough to bring us in line with the Paris Accord? And why don't mainstream conservatives offer policy alternatives to the carbon pricing? Why are you looking at me, Dave? Climate change policy is hard. Uh, I recall in the 90s, because I'm older than you, that the Christian government strategy on this was to basically just say yes to Kyoto and get all the accolades and take all the pictures with other world leaders and then literally do nothing. And Christian was smart enough not to fight fights that he didn't need to fight. So when the Harper government tore up Kyoto, it actually didn't have any impact on what we were actually doing. I, I believe Notley, Rachel Notley um, feels differently about it. I believe that this really is important to her. And I think probably the issue is shifting among mainstream, middle-of-the-road voters as well. So this is one of the challenges. I mean, to be totally honest, this is something the conservative side is, has to wrestle with because we are having a real debate internally about what we think of 
these issues, climate change, man or humanity causing climate change. And, you know, maybe here in Alberta, what exactly to do about it. And I do think those are different issues. So some of us are going to be speaking to maybe having a new approach and saying we can't just punt the issue away anymore. But um, a lot of people are convinced that it's not a winning issue for conservative parties. So like we talked about before, this isn't a, it's not a sword. It's a, it's a sword for the other guys. And so stay tuned. Um, but I think that as the population is convinced that there is an issue, it'll be harder and harder to ignore. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I think it's, it's become, it's interesting how it's, how the climate change debate has moved over the past 10, 20 years. I mean, I think it really is a, more of a, I, there, I think there is more of a mainstream consensus in Canada. I mean, depending on which, where, where, where you go in Alberta, there's going to be some uh, debate about whether 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 the science is settled or not. But I think in terms of, of of the mainstream, I think most Canadians and most Albertans probably believe that that climate change is is something that needs to be dealt with. I think the the question is is how do we deal with it? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I mean the NDP have taken a more aggressive approach than the previous Conservative governments. Um, I don't really find that to be much of much of a surprise, but I, I think that the challenge for the UCP is going to be actually coming up with an alternative. Doing nothing is providing no, you know, doing nothing or providing no alternative is really not going to be enough. And I'm, I don't think we're talking just for, just about Albertans, but we're talking about the big energy companies that do business in Alberta and who expect that there to be some leadership on this issue because they want to plan and, and uh, they want to make money and, and they're willing to p- play ball and play game. Like, I mean, a lot of these big companies, they're in the energy business they're not just in the oil business, right? Who's who's that entering the, the studio? Is that is that political futurist Chris Henderson? How's it going, buddy? Hi, everybody. Are you? Uh, what are you doing here? You're going to drop some knowledge bombs on uh, on the Dave Berta podcast? Uh, actually, two of you owe me some beer, so I showed up to see if I could collect on that. Sweet. Yeah. Do we have any left? Uh, we we have a whole case left. Oh, great. Here, actually, here's one. For, here's another oh, one, Chris. Great. Thanks for joining us, Chris. No problem. Little AGD. How's everybody doing? We're good. How's the show? It's it's going it's going pretty good. We're this is our first, this is our first show of uh, of 2018. We're we're enjoying it, but uh, you tell us. What Chris. do you think, Chris? Like, uh, I think this whole year is going to be about, I mean, obviously it's going to be about setup. I imagine that's what a lot of your shows are going to be throughout the year, talking about the run up to next year's election. But the, uh, since, you know, like if you're looking at any like blogs and podcasts right now, a lot of people are talking about trends that you're going to start to see. I think one of the things that any of these parties need to start preparing themselves for is they certainly need to start developing communications plans and crisis communications plans for any kind of social media eruptions that completely take over their narrative uh like bozo eruptions as in the 2012 election well i mean bozo eruption used to you used to go to like you used to sit in front of a microphone after coming out of a meeting and say something really silly like you know students should have to buy their own pencils or something like that they should um and then um but now i mean you, you don't have to you don't have to have a camera in your face to to let this stuff go and people will jump on it like never before. Uh, The interesting thing about Alberta politics is that for the last 10 years, like since Ed Stelmack won the, won the PC leadership, it has gotten more unpredictable every year. And and we fall into these funny traps. We're in the middle. We think like, Oh, well of course this will happen. Of of course everything will will correct itself. Alberta politics has never corrected itself since then. And so I think everything is incredibly volatile. I think they're going to have the, I think everybody really needs to be on their toes and ready for, a, to play a game that maybe they didn't even know existed yet. 
I finished my beer. I'm I'm out. Wow, that was a yeah, that was, that was a real blitz. That was great. And then b- before we know it, he's he's gone. A political man of mystery, <laughs> if you would. Well, Dave, that's it for another show. Yeah, thanks so much for everyone for tuning in to our first episode of 2018. Uh, we'll be back in a couple weeks uh, with our next episode. We'd like to take a moment to thank our producer, Adam Rosenhart, and today's special guest, Chris Henderson, for stopping by the show. Uh, as always, we'd love to hear your feedback or to answer any questions that you have. You can get us on Twitter at Dave Berta or on the Dave Berta Facebook page. Or, of course, you can email us at podcast at daveberta.ca. And while you're downloading this episode, uh, remember that reviews really help us. And we're hoping to get into Apple's podcast charts sometime soon, sometime in 2018. So submit your reviews and ratings for us online. On behalf of Ryan, Adam, and myself, thanks for listening. And uh, we hope you tune in next time. (laughs) 